hello how the tech are you uh i don't have any funny uh tech jokes for the uh, intro jokes so we're just gonna skip that for now and uh let everybody know that this is our weekly tech show on echoplex media we talk about tech stuff tech news some science stuff a little bit of this and that here and there but but mostly in that that area science and tech uh good info what I will be covering today, I am a uh, historian Matt, I should probably introduce myself. I'm historian Matt, and uh, I usually cover news-related stuff, and I've got a little bit of news, and um, I'm all in a PSA, so what, what I'm going to cover is, first story I have is uh, two large companies no one should talk about create a standards group for this thing that no one really cares about go into more detail in the actual story. And the second story is science, tech, and paint. Possibly the most matte news ever. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a painter, so uh, that's why it's... There's, there's even some uh, history in it. I didn't mention that, and I'm a historian Matt, so that works. And then finally, I got a PSA for everyone, just everyone in general. Uh, we'll go over that a little bit more later. But Dave... What do you got? So this week, first they killed uh, G Talk in the Gmail. Now they're killing Hangouts. Hangouts will be gone in November. And um, after, uh, and then we got some Elon news. After threatening to fire employees, it turns out there aren't desks for people at Tesla. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, take it away, Matt. All right, I guess I should get started. So uh, this uh, two large companies, no one should talk about. Create a standards group for this thing. No one cares about. What are those two large companies? Well, the first one is Meta, formerly known as Facebook, and the second one is Microsoft. And I'm joking about that, except really, we, we shouldn't really be talking about these companies anymore. But uh, they're create, teaming up to create a Metaverse standards group. You know, the Metaverse, right? It's like the next hot thing that like nobody is doing. Second Life. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> except uh, Second Life is, I mean, it is the Metaverse, but it's not, right? They're it's not Facebook owned or Microsoft owned or whatever. So I don't think they include that. Um, so what else? Uh, there are a number of other members of the standards group. Um, two other major notable ones are Adobe and Nvidia. Uh, there's a whole list of others that are related. I think like Ikea is in on it. I don't know why they're interested in the metaverse, but uh, I think it has something to do with like, the metaverse also covers um what is it the uh ir a ar whatever yeah uh, ar augmented reality forgot about that and so you're like ikea they they have you uh showing furniture in your house or something and like <laughs> so they can sell more furniture i actually know something about that uh so ikea's yeah. got this thing that they're working on where you can so you sort of get a few images of a room and then they will use uh, machine learning AI to tech to like visibly remove your furniture from the room yeah. so that then you can put the new Ikea furniture in it. And so I think that might be why they're involved in this standards group because they're already working on uh, that particular yeah, thing. Yeah. And by working on it, I mean, I tried it and they're still working on it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of kinks to work out there. Um, <laughs> But what's notable about this group is, uh, you know, these these kind of small companies known as Apple and 
Alphabet, also known as Google, are not actually members of this standards group yet. So, you know, no big deal. Yeah, two of the biggest companies, tech companies around are not not involved, even though they they have their own, uh, both companies have their own, um, like virtual reality devices and, you know, metaverse related stuff, augmented reality, particularly with uh, Google and the, the Pixel phone. Oh, you know well. what, you know what we love? You know what I love is competing standards. That's just what we're going to, yeah. that's just what we need here. <laughs> Well, the, the new good news is they could join later if they really want, if that actually becomes a, a good thing. I don't entirely understand uh, this, but the, the standards group is meant to, and I quote, foster the development of open standards for the metaverse. I do not know what that's supposed to mean, but sure, whatever. I personally don't think that this metaverse thing is going to go anywhere unless somebody comes up with like a completely open source, you know, probably server for, for all this stuff and, and a client. Uh, otherwise they're all going to make their own like walled gardens and you'll have to pay for the one that you're in and, and that's it. And that severely reduces the usefulness. You know, my take on this too, is I just don't think that the, the hardware is there yet. I mean, that's, if it's going to be on a, a screen, it's going to be like kind of janky. If you have to put a um, headset on, that just sucks. Like it really, really sucks. And I think like something I mean, like this won't really take off until it's literally a hologram in my living room. <laughs> like I think that's yeah. like where it's going to need to be for the average person to be incredibly interested in it. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I have the old uh, Oculus was Oculus Rift. Um, headset i haven't used it in like forever but even that old one they have much newer updated versions that old one was really amazing like it really it definitely they definitely got the virtual reality uh system down on that um and i'm told like the newer ones definitely like they don't have the the wires and stuff the old one had coming out the back because i had this this almost as much as my hair coming out the <laughs> back you know of wires uh, for those who don't know, I have long hair here. Um, and now the newer ones, like they're self-contained, uh, I think they still connect to a computer. I'm not sure exactly how they work, but, uh, they're, they're not physically connected by, you know, by wires to the computers anymore. So what happens to a lot of people in those headsets is it gives people, it makes people woozy, almost like they're seasick. Um, or some people yes. it gives them like some kind of existential dread or anxiety. Yeah. Uh, I know for the the seasick one at motion sickness, uh, the, the issue is if they're the program that they're using in the, the headset is not designed, right. What ends up happening is the motion in the headset is different from what your body is actually feeling. You know, so your, your vision is different from what you're feeling and that sets off a, uh, a response in your body that basically makes you think that you're like, you've been poisoned or something, I guess is what it is. And so it makes you want to throw up. You feel sick and want to throw up. Um, right. And it doesn't happen to everybody. Some people's bodies just don't do that. They, you just notice. Yeah, some people's don't do it. You can also just basically train to, to get around it. Like it doesn't, it's not a um, permanent or kind of thing. <laughs> if you do it enough, you kind of get used to it and it's fine. Uh, 
for, for some people, but some people it's just super bad. <laughs> and the, the other one, the, the other one, it's like harder to figure out why it happens to people. And when I tried yeah. <clears throat> one of the Oculus headsets, I had symptoms kind of similar to it where really I wasn't like afraid of what was on the screen. Right. It yeah. wasn't that it was like a, I, I can't explain, I can't tell you why I just felt anxious. Like I felt my like muscles tightening up and just kind of feelings of anxiety from the, like from the experience that didn't go away for, I don't know, like an hour afterward. Whoa. And like I said, I wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like I saw a scary movie and got afraid. It was different. It was yeah. completely like divorced from the content on the screen. And that's, yeah. that, that happens to some people too. And I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I would I'd be willing to bet that there are people looking into that one too. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard much about that before. I, I don't think that's as common as the other one. The other one, like almost everybody, the feeling sick, almost everybody experiences to some extent. Uh, although some were more than others, like uh, they joked about it on uh Silicon Valley show back in the day where the, the lead character put on the, the, vr goggles and like it immediately threw up right <laughs> it was so sensitive to it uh that's all i got for that one so uh, I, I i think you're right about maybe not that it won't take off without an op like a completely open source server for it but i think you're right about um the need for <clears throat> some kind of open source project around this stuff and yeah and for, there may be i did i didn't actually look it up and and the other thing is it would hopefully it would ha it would end up being dominant sort of like um sort of like how open source dominated the web because of the apache web server it would need to be yeah. something like on that level of you are getting so much more value out of this system than you're getting out of other systems and yeah. you know that's one of our biases around here is towards open source and linux but also right. you know i mean I don't, what would the web look like without Apache? You know, it was just, right. It, you know, people are on, moved on to a lot of NGINX and stuff now, but like the web, like was just revolutionized by Apache because the one thing it let you do is let you run a bunch of different web servers on one physical piece of hardware and the Microsoft yep. stuff wasn't letting you do that. And that was, if you had a physical piece of hardware, you're like, well, I'm going to do this because I can, you know, if we're running like a web server here and it's eating 3% of this computer's resources, and then I have to go build another server to run another web server, even though I have 97% of this computer left, that Apache web server looked great to that person. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see if, uh, I guess if anybody's viewing this on YouTube, I don't know if they're listening to it, but. Uh, if you have any idea, know anything about open source projects like that, go ahead and comment it down in the comment section and let us know about it and follow up. I'm actually kind of curious about it. So, uh, oh, you're bringing up the, the image of the, for the next, um, story I have here. So the next story is science tech and paint, possibly the most matte news. And again, as I said, I'm a artist. I do oil painting. So when this news story came up about the color Prussian blue, I was quite intrigued. So uh, assuming you can see the the image for those on YouTube, that's the actual color is shown there along with the example structure, you know, atom structure of this particular type of color. But 
what happened recently is uh, we found out that the color Prussian blue binds with gold and platinum group elements, which allows these elements to be recycled easier. This is a huge help to recyclers, especially when it comes to consumer electronics, because many consumer electronics include stuff, you know, include gold and platinum and other pretty expensive elements, but in such small amounts that it's very hard to extract them and make any money out of them. But, uh, in fact, uh, one ton of mobile phones, just average mobile phones, contains about 300 to 400 grams of gold, which is, you know, worth it to, if you can extract it, but that's a pretty small amount. And it turns out that's actually more gold than is in the uh, same amount of natural ore that could contain gold. I assume that's not like a vein of gold, which is quite a bit higher content uh, but uh get the idea but um so prussian blue was uh, found out that, that can do that so what is prussian blue it was a first modern synthetic pigment so here's my history for history historian matt name but uh prussian blue was first made by accident in berlin by a paint maker named and i'm probably gonna say this name wrong somehow but it's uh, probably Johann uh, Jacob, I don't know, Diesbach, around 1706, uh, or Diesbach, I guess. Anyways, Diesbach was trying to make a red pigment, but the uh, potash, or potash, however you want to pronounce it, he used was accidentally tainted with blood. Now, that sounds disgusting, but it was probably just like he had a little cut on his finger or, or some other, like, minor injury that that put a couple drops of blood in the the potash but um this caused the uh, reaction he was trying to get to go crazy and create uh prussian blue instead prussian blue is a pretty famous color once it was invented it started getting used all over the place there's a number of famous paintings including the whole series of pablo picasso's blue period paintings uh, contain it pretty extensively and probably the most famous painting of all that contains Prussian blue is this one by this guy named Vincent van Gogh that you probably have heard about and probably seen called the starry night. Fortunately, I don't have an image for that. That would have been a good one to, to display, but, uh, yeah, so Prussian blue is pretty, pretty common. It's also been used for doing other stuff. It helps with uh, cleaning up radioactive material. And uh, Prussian blue was used to remove cesium from the soil after the Fukushima disaster. The cesium, the radioactive cesium, I think, was all in the soil around Fukushima, the, the nuclear power plant that, that blew up there. Um, so they knew that... Uh, Prussian blue could be helpful. They knew it, it helped in this case. And there's some other cases where they're using it to extract uh, certain types of metals, but the, uh, the process works by works with certain metals because it, what happens is the iron ions that are in this kind of like jungle gym, like structure that makes up Prussian blue get replaced by these metals that they're trying to extract. And that sort of like, absorbs these metals like a sponge 
And then from there, you can extract them from the, the Prussian blow itself. So that was pretty cool. We, we got a new way of recycling, and uh, this could be could really help in a lot of ways. Um, other methods of recycling, particularly like cell phones and consumer electronics, include like smelting and stuff, which is very damaging to the environment. And this is much better for the environment anyways. Uh, I don't know if it's 100%, but definitely a better way of doing it. And it makes it actually uh, monetarily efficient to do so. Any comments? Uh, yeah, I know a few people who do um, recycling, like e-waste, and none of them are brave enough to try to actually do the smelting or any of that because yeah. of regulation around it and uh, just <clears throat> overall like care for their employees and not wanting their employees in a space where the actual breakdown of the material is happening. <clears throat> and so yeah. if this is, you know, I don't know anything about this. Uh I know about the starry night painting and I think it's pretty actually pretty cool that a, that a pigment that was invented so much, so like so long ago has this, this potential to kind of clean up a dirty industry or make a dirty industry like slightly more uh, efficient. It's just kind of, you never know, like if you discover or invent something, you just never know what its future uses might be like long after you're dead. So, yeah. So hooray science and hooray paint. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I guess I should mention for people who are listening in, the Prussian blue is kind of a, it's a blue with a slight green tint to it. Uh, it has a pretty strong color. So uh, oftentimes you'll see it, they, they mix it a little bit with white because if it's uh, the pure pigment, it's pretty dark, pretty dark blue and you don't really see it very clearly. So oftentimes you'll see it either mixed in with white or it's used in watercolor. So maybe painted thinly and you'll see a little more clearly a, a lighter version of the blue, but it's a nice color. I actually don't think I use it much in my own painting, but, uh, it's pretty popular. All right. Uh, moving on to my neck, my final story, which is not as much a story as it is a PSA. And hopefully Dave will, maybe Dave will help me on this one a bit. If I, especially if I'm missing anything, but uh, basically, here's the deal. Overturning of Roe versus Wade has a lot of people worried about online tracking being used against them when seeking certain uh, medical treatment, let's say. And uh, I decided that we should uh, help people out, give them some suggestions on what to do to avoid being tracked online as best as possible. None of these are 100%. Uh, some of them still have a few issues, and uh, I, I think we'll talk about them a little bit. Um, and there's ways of tracking you offline as well that you'll have to handle on your own. But uh, we're a tech show, so we're kind of in a good position to talk about tracking on the internet, I think. So the first one I got here is, well, the issue was, uh, people were talking about was uh, governments tracking your IP address. And the very obvious way to keep that from happening is using a VPN. VPN is a virtual private network. There's a lot of commercial VPNs out there. They, there are many uses for them and it's not for evading laws, uh, but uh, definitely for helping with privacy. And um, well, watching certain shows on Netflix that <laughs> you can't get in your current country is a, is a big one. 
But what they do is you basically set up your computer to connect to the, the VPN server and it connects with an encrypted connection. And then from wherever the VPN server is hosted, the VPN connects out to the actual website you want to connect to. So that kind of masks your IP address and doesn't allow anybody to like snoop in, at least from you to the, the VPN. Right. So and uh, there is some, something real important yeah. about a VPN. Uh, make sure you use a VPN that dumps the logs. Yeah. I was going to mention something like that. You'd uh, you'd want to definitely have them dump the logs. So law enforcement can't come in later or even a hacker come in later and, and figure out uh, who's connecting to this VPN. Also, you may want to, and you'll have to really look into this before doing it, but maybe get a VPN in another country that allows you to do some of those sort of things. So they can't be subpoenaed at all. Uh, do you have any comments on that, Dave? It looked like you were going to say something. Um, just be like really cautious of when you see a YouTube video and the person's uh, sponsored by a VPN. Cause a lot of times yeah. those aren't going to be the best VPNs. Some of those are perfectly fine though. Um, a lot of these VPNs will just have uh, independent audits. Yeah. And if you trust the independent auditor, you could go by that information. I don't have a VPN. I recommend I generally don't use one because I don't have a need for one. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, you know, do your homework. And if, if you're not um, a technical person, there are a ton, just a ton of security websites, like InfoSec yeah. websites out there. Yeah. I hate to say do your own research, but in this case, I don't think we want to recommend any specific VPN, but no. please <laughs> do, do your own research. And we'll talk about uh, better ways of doing research as well. But before that, uh, if you're going to get any sort of medical treatment, you should think about uh, maybe turning off your cell phone and um, pretty much like any medical treatment, as I thought more about this, because uh, there are certain large companies that sell lots of cell phones that uh, track everything you do and everywhere you go uh, while you have that phone. And uh, they will use that, that information to mostly they, they use it for, sending ads, but, uh, because they have that, that stuff tracked, they can forward it to law enforcement as well. Um, I suggest either turning off your cell phone that's suggested by a lot of people, but also if you can live with it, it may be better to just leave your cell phone at home and leave it on because then, uh, it just looks like you're at home. And if you're like hyper paranoid about like license plate scanners, um, there's a reason that a lot of spies like public transportation. Yeah. Hopefully that's available in your location. That's not available everywhere. Like it's not particularly good where I'm, where I'm at. Right. Of course. Or at least of course. not uh, to certain locations. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Think about that sort of stuff. Also think about when you're using search engines, looking for stuff on the internet you probably want to use something uh, like a safe search engine like DuckDuckGo and also probably a, you know, private a privacy browser or private browser like the Brave browser. Uh, Firefox also has a private um, browser version thing. <laughs> they, they call it like safe browsing or something. I don't remember what they call it. 
on Firefox. Oh yeah, I don't recall. I'm not a I'm not a Firefox. I forgot to look user. that up. Um and that that can keep stuff from they, they they put stuff in the browser to keep other websites from track tracking you. Uh and I wanted to add this little anecdote because it's directly related to the the search engine stuff. Uh this person, Latisse Fisher, in 2018 was indicted in Mississippi on the charge of second degree murder after giving birth to a stillborn baby. Uh, her defense lawyers were claiming that it was stillborn baby, but prosecutors actually looked into Fisher's search history and found that she searched for abortion pills and they used that against their against her because that was illegal at the time in Mississippi. So yeah, be very careful with your search that they, they can uh, go back and subpoena that sort of stuff and look at your search history. Any other comments, any other suggestions, Dave, on that one? I feel like that's one you'd have some uh, other suggestions for. Maybe just don't search that stuff. Don't, don't, if you're, if you find yourself pregnant, don't search any of that stuff. Yeah, I would say that too, but I feel like for some people that they don't have any other options for finding the info. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I um, Also, uh, public libraries are a good place to uh, use a, a computer yeah. if you want to uh, search for things and not have anybody know it was you searching for them. Depending on the public library, some of them may attach it to your library card and you may not want to do that. Right. That's a good point. What else? I, I think the EFF suggested... Uh, using encrypted messaging services like signal there's a bunch of i think there's a number of encrypted messaging services so that's just like sending you know instant messages back and forth uh signal will encrypt end-to-end -end encryption that keeps anybody from being able to and i think including signal is, is there, keep them from reading your messages so if you're asking somebody else that you know about it that's a safer way of, of doing it and just real quick on that, if they if if somebody gets access to your phone, it's not going to matter that you're using an encrypted message service because they can just open that encrypted message service and read your uh, read your messages. So one one another thing that people sh you shouldn't use the biometric stuff on your phone, um, right? A right. passcode or if you're I guess lazy, Android has the little pattern, but make sure the pattern is sufficiently complicated that somebody right. couldn't just look at you across the room unlocking your phone and figure out what your pattern is. Yeah. Good point. And then uh, in a similar vein, for email, make sure you use a secure email service. We have, I have ProtonMail here as an example. There are, I think, a few other email services that, that are secure. And I think uh, somebody else who's usually on the show is working on something like that. Uh, yeah. And just really quick again, if somebody, if somebody can own your device, it's not going to matter that you're using a secure email service yeah. because you're going to be probably logged into it. Um, so it's another case where making sure your devices are secure is fairly important. Right. Or if you're using something like proton mail, I guess use the web interface only and log out every time you use it and don't have it save your yeah. password in any of your, any of your password managers or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And that's all I got, but yeah, just, uh, be careful on the internet. It seems like more and more you, you want to do stuff to 
enhance your privacy on the internet just because of stupid stuff that's coming up. Yep, that's true. <clears throat> I guess now it's my turn. I got two stories this week. Yep. Uh, one of them's on the lighter side. Um, <laughs> last week we talked about, maybe it was two weeks ago, we talked about how they killed Gtalk. That was the chat that just kind of existed on the left side of your Gmail, which... Uh, so we decided that was what that was called? Yeah, it's Gtalk. Um, so they're killing that, or that's already dead. And, uh, next they're killing hangouts in November and they're going to put, I don't know, they're calling it chat that they're sending everyone to. Well, they had something called hangouts chat. And I actually still use that with people who, uh, you know, I know that still work at Google, but it was really confusing because there was hangouts, which was kind of the video service thing. And then there was hangout chats, which is, um, the, was it this, the Slack competitor, I think? Yeah, and I don't know where they're sending everyone to it. They just said they're sending everybody to chat, and the, the image that it showed for chat just kind of looked like the image you would get for like your SMS messenger. Oh, okay. But it's, and this is just, it's, it's like a running gag about Google, how like they're just, they're just this close to nailing down messaging. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, it's like, yeah. it's funny because they're like this big company that does a lot of things well, yet this thing that is, I mean, relatively simple in the grand scheme of things, they've just never been able to nail down something. Right. And they, you know, could have bought a chat service a while ago and probably done a lot better. Right. If, from the very drop, they could have bought anything basically and, and yeah. figured it out. And, you know, I don't know what it is. <clears throat> they've killed. They've killed, I don't even know how many chat services. Um, and Hangouts was like integrated into Google Plus, and it looked like maybe that was going to go somewhere, but then they didn't really attend to Google Plus very well, which made me kind of yeah. sad. I kind of really liked Google Plus. Really? Yeah. They, you know, they killed it because not enough people were using it. Yeah. And by not enough, they mean like not a billion people, right? Well, I didn't really use it like Facebook, right? I just used it as a newsreader because it was like, yeah. it, on, on an Android phone, it was beautiful. It looked yeah. great, but yeah, there's, they're just, I don't know. Maybe they need to stop trying to nail down this chat thing because they're just, that's, they're bad at it. Well, may, is this like part of doing that? Like they're culling some of their other chat type services and. Oh, I'm as sure as I'm as sure as I can be. They're going to roll out a new one. <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe they'll just nail, I don't know. They should have bought discord or no, no, I'm glad they didn't buy discord actually, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they could have done anything, but <clears throat> they're just, they just keep killing these things. I don't think anybody was using, uh, the hangouts video service anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we used it when I was working at Google internally, we used it all the time for doing, you know, teleconferencing type stuff, uh, which you use all the time at, at Google. We were using it because it was integrated into um, voice. And so yeah. we could take uh, DMs via Hangouts and get calls uh, via voice from the same, um, the same basically uh, browser yeah. window during the show. And that was pretty convenient. Um, but then they dis, they unintegrated it with Google Voice. And they're like, here's the new Google voice. And I was like, this looks terrible. 
but at least Google Voice is still there. They're, they're probably never going to kill that because I think a lot of people rely on that for all kinds yeah. of different things. But yeah, they're never going to nail down messaging and it's, I don't know, maybe they should give up. Maybe they should give up. Maybe. Or maybe they'll bring back Gtalk and just your your messenger will just be on the <laughs> left side of your your Gmail again. Which was like the best version they ever did. Right. Just to send a quick message. If you were already emailing somebody that had a yeah. Google account, that was the best because you're like, yeah. wait a minute, we're emailing back and forth. You're like, let me just DM you real quick instead. <laughs> yeah. And you can see they're online or not, you know, right. Your friends. And- yeah, and it was just like it was perfect because it integrated yep. perfectly with with Gmail. So of course they killed it. Yeah, but maybe they'll bring it back and call it something new, and it'll work less good, and be more intrusive, <laughs> and there'll be ads. Who knows? But Google, get your messaging game together or get out the game because it's been yeah. it's been embarrassing for you. It's and it's <laughs> my phone thought I was talking to it there for a second. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, excuse me, sir. excuse me sir i would like a word sorry to embarrass you so on the less light side but still kind of funny uh after threatening to fire remote employees it turns out there just aren't enough desks for the people coming back to to (laughs) tesla uh to work uh obviously it's not the assembly line people it's the administrative people the software people the the office staff uh there's also people color people yeah people are also reporting uh problems with their internet connectivity at work (laughs) <laughs> so what did, how did that happen like did they hire more people i know they were like talking about firing a number of people uh did they lose space or something or you know that's a, no idea that, that's a good question they may have it you know it may have been a thing where some people were already working remotely like before the pandemic or whatever oh yeah and then elon just you know, on a whim was like, well, I don't want people working remotely anymore for this, that, or the other reason. And now everybody's trying to come back into work and it's just really funny. I think it's very funny because it's like, it just shows that this guy like kind of doesn't have any business managing things. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't, he wasn't like, Hey, everybody's coming back. Is there some, is there someone who works for me who I can talk to, to make sure that we have everything we need for everyone to come back. Right. Do they, you know, maybe he should, uh, talk to HR or, or facilities or something that, that, uh, you know, handles that sort of thing. Talk to them, like maybe ask them if this is a good idea or, you know, stagger people coming back or something, you know, that, that sort of thing. I know certain other con- companies are not bringing everybody back at once and going full time in the office, uh, but rather having people maybe work half a week and, staggering who's in the the office at any given time yeah it's it's pretty wild that after everybody was at home for like like two years that the nobody would say hey are we ready for this is everything set up are we prepared it's just it's just wild to me that that wouldn't be the first concern because if people were out of the office for a while i mean any you know the computers there are old do people need new computers you know how are the how are the internet devices doing? Do we need to replace some of the internet devices because they've been sitting here off or maybe left on the whole time, <laughs> knowing yeah. knowing how some companies operate? <laughs> and none of the, it seems like none of those questions were asked, and it just seems silly. Like the "Are we ready for this?" doesn't seem like a like a big question that you have to be like a smart person really to yeah. 
to ask. But I just feel sorry for the people that work there because they were like forced to go back to work. Now they didn't have, they didn't have a desk. Some of them. Yeah. And like, then who do they complain to? Because if they complain too much. They probably get fired. Yep. Like what? I don't know. Whatever. Like maybe, maybe this, maybe this will be the, you know, people have said this a lot. Maybe this will be the last straw for like Elon, where he realizes that he's not some kind of God and that he should listen to some other people and check, check with relevant subject matter experts inside of his own company before he makes decisions. I feel like that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, he's probably going to fire the people that he should have asked. Yeah. Yeah, probably. He's going to be like, well, well, the facilities manager didn't make sure everybody had desks. And then, yeah. the, then the facilities manager is like, uh, you didn't even talk to me about this. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. You're out of here. We, but, we're probably going to work something out, but <laughs> And the other thing is that this this story could be overblown. Like a lot of these tech journalists and these outlets, like the stories from The Verge, they go after Elon a lot. So yeah. this could be like way overblown, but I still think it's funny. True. I guess I, I mean, like Elon deserves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he deserves I, it. I feel kind of bad because I, I don't really like Elon Musk, but I do like the Tesla cars, you know, even though they're, you know, over overpriced but they're they're good cars otherwise well that overpriced thing may start to change because there's really good competition entering that market yeah well particularly the low-end cars the the cheaper cars there's a lot of people predicting that next year we're going to see a price war on the low-end electric cars so keep an eye out there because there's a lot of low-end electric cars coming out and in the in that mid range right now, that Ford Mustang Mach E is just killing it. Everybody's yeah. saying that's the best that, electric car in that price range. Yeah, yeah. The uh, also the the F one fifty Lightning. You can't like I would say people love it, but people can't get a hold of it. It's just sold out forever. Well, and so, there's there's some something some supply chain issues are probably making yeah, it hard yeah. to get get them out as quickly as possibly. Uh, Ford would like, but yeah, it's, you know, they had a big head start, but now these companies that have hundreds of years manufacturing behind yeah. them are, are coming and they're coming for, they're coming for Tesla and they're going to, they're yeah. going to do a great job. I mean, you know, we're, I'm just telling you, as soon as that all electric Honda Civic hits, it's over. <laughs> yeah, probably. That, that is the most popular car. The Civic yeah. and the Corolla are such popular cars. And as soon as we get all electric versions of those that look no different than the kind of stylish gas versions of them, those yeah. are going to be like the top selling electric cars. And uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough times for Tesla. Um, and I would wager that uh, when Honda's employees went back to the office, they had desks. <laughs> I bet you are right. They are a legacy company that kind of knows how to, how to have employees and, and how to treat their staff and how to like run an office and run a company. So yeah, in, in the end, these other companies are all coming for Tesla and they're going to build, I think we're going to be seeing higher quality cars than the Teslas for lower prices. Um, I believe you. And these companies also know better than to lie to their customers and promise them stuff that's never that it, they do that they cannot accomplish. They have yeah. just a long history of 
dealing with yeah. customers and and only a couple times have they promised something and not delivered it so we'll keep an eye on that over the next couple of years tesla had a pretty big head, head start but you know when ford and honda are coming for you yeah <laughs> better be ready <laughs> you better be ready when ford and honda are coming for you and i bet the people at ford have desks too i bet the wi-fi works at ford too <laughs> that's right so i guess that's the show uh thanks matt for this week um and thanks for joining me last night. Last night's show was a little starty stoppy just by its nature because of the way the clips were. Uh, we do a show together on Sundays called The Plex. That's a news rundown if you're interested in such a thing. And uh, check out all of our shows, echoplexmedia.com, or just search for Echoplex Media on the podcatcher you use. Also, make sure you're following How the Tech Are You on YouTube. We're also posting it to the Echoplex Media Odyssey channel, but that's... Um, primarily a free archival service for us at this point. Yeah. Thanks everybody. See you next week.